You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, yoga teacher. If you've ever wondered what it would be like to experience explosive growth in your yoga business, you'll love listening to this conversation with my long-term client, Miranda Peterson. In 2019, Miranda's yoga business brought in three times as much revenue as it did in 2018, and that's not even the biggest result she's seen from working together. Today's special episode is a behind-the-scenes conversation about what it's like to work with a coach and how having a business can be a yoga practice in and of itself. Let's jump right into the conversation. I'm excited for our conversation today because you are one of my most long-term coaching clients and you've come such a long way since you and I started working together. So it's really exciting and fun to get to dive into what your journey has been. I would love for you to start just by describing your business and your niche. My business is Namaste in Nature, and I'm based here um, in Western North Carolina. It's basically um, a uniquely Asheville experience that combines yoga, meditation, and hiking with the beautiful mountains and waterfalls that we have here in Western North Carolina. And my niche is outdoor yoga. It definitely skews more female, but this year I've gotten a lot more uh, diversity. I've had a lot of couples. I've had um, some guys as part of groups. I've even had some, I had a, a corporate group from Charlotte. There was a software company that was mostly guys that came on a yoga hike. So that was really cool. And it's really kind of changed a little bit. Uh, I mean, you definitely helped me determine my ideal target market and kind of niche last year. It was like women in transition from 30 to 60. And it's still definitely within that niche, but there is a much wider variety within that than I was expecting at first. I've been talking about niche on the podcast a lot lately, Mm -hmm. that choosing a niche doesn't mean that you're excluding or not serving people outside that niche. It just means that you have some clarity around who you're talking to so that your language becomes more powerful and more potent. Exactly. Yeah. It's impossible to target everyone. I mean, that's someone, I mean, that's something that we learn in marketing, right? If you try to target everyone, you're not speaking to anyone. So by kind of focusing on that specific niche, like women 30 to 60, I mean, I'll still get, say, bachelorette groups there in their 20s, or I'll get, like I said, that that corporate group from Charlotte that was mostly men in their probably like 40s and 50s, and I think that's the best advice is to really pick your niche and your target market, and then it can appeal to other people outside of that. Thinking back to when you and I first started working together, which was, we had never met before you came over to my house, and you hired me thinking that you wanted me to help you start a podcast. Oh yeah, I did, didn't I? (laughs) (laughs) And you came over and I started asking you questions and we kind of dug into your business and I was like, I don't think a podcast is the right move for you right now. You ended up hiring me for ongoing coaching, 
which was awesome. And we've had this really mutually beneficial relationship ever since then, because I've gotten to hone my coaching skills by working with you. And you have had some major, major growth in your business. Currently, your revenue for 2019 is 150% more than 2018, correct? Um, that's the goal for the end of this year. So right now, yeah, right now it's about 147% and I expect it could get up to about 170%. So the goals we set last year was actually doubling what I had made the year before. And I already hit that target before the end of the year. So I had to increase uh, my revenue for this year, which I'm not complaining about. So thinking back on that time, if you could put yourself back there, what were the major concerns and challenges with your business? Well, I, number one, the, the first thing that comes to mind is I was kind of all over the place. I come from a creative marketing background and so I'm really good at generating ideas. And I basically was trying to go in a thousand different directions and I just couldn't do all of the things. And, and looking back on it, you know, I could see people being confused. It's like, okay, what is this business? Like I was trying to do summer camp things. I was trying to do yoga hikes. I was trying to do retreats. I was just doing like all kinds of things at once. And it was just me trying to do everything, all of the website, all of the marketing, all of the planning and uh, logistics and administrative and customer service. And I just, I, if I think if I hadn't found it, I would have gotten super burnt out and maybe have given up. And you really helped me to focus on, what was working and kind of get rid of what wasn't. And not that I can't ever do those things, but Hey, you know, just focus on this first and then, you know, kind of go from there. So I really, that was kind of number one for me. It was focusing because I'm like, blah, like ADD shiny things and <laughs> had a, a ton of ideas. And then two, I remember numbers again, totally right brained was not a fan of bookkeeping and keeping track of numbers. And I think a part of me didn't want to know, and it, it can be scary sometimes to kind of look at your numbers and it takes a couple of years to actually be profitable. Um, and I just never liked the idea of sitting down and, and looking at numbers and budgeting and planning and things like that. I was like, I just want to do the creative fun stuff. And now over a little bit over a year later, it's kind of the opposite. Like I'm excited to go into my bookkeeping software. I'm excited to do these calculations and see how much it's grown from last year, to this year. And we've had a, a CEO report that I report in every month, um, kind of expenses and revenue and profit. And it's been really exciting to see that develop this year and which is really helpful for planning next year. And I'm sure my CPA will be very happy with my improved bookkeeping skills as well. One of the things that you and I do a lot, and this is something that I do with a lot of my clients, is evaluating opportunities and really stepping back and taking a bigger picture look at all of the different opportunities that are coming our way because everybody makes decisions emotionally. We all do this. And so it's so helpful to have another person who is invested in our success, but not in our story, not in our version of the story to help us look at things from a little bit of a more objective perspective and to say, to remind us, you know what, you can't do everything. So it's okay to say no. Yes. And in fact, it's probably a really, really wise decision to say no, at least some of the time so that you don't spread yourself too thin. 
Yeah. Yeah. I totally would have spread myself too thin. I was already spreading myself too thin when I found you, but I think that's been number three is really been, you know, a really grounding and solid and honest resource. And, you know, I feel like some, some coaches in the past have been like, yeah, like you go, like everything's great. And, but I, you, you're really, you know, straightforward with me and authentic. And if something's not a good idea or, you know, maybe I might not want to hear it. Like you still tell me anyways, which I appreciate. Um, so it's, it's been, I'm glad you appreciate that side of me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not right away. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's really great. I feel like sometimes it's almost like a, a catharsis or a therapy session like oh this thing's happening and it's like oh you can relate to that as well but also have that objective perspective where you're not so close to it and in the details like I am you can take a step back and be like well have you considered this or um, this is probably what's happening well we all get wrapped up in our own stories and so we get so wrapped up in them that we start to believe them So part of what I do as a coach is help you step back and say, okay, that's one version of the story. Is that the version of the story that's really going to help you move forward? Or is there a different story or a different way of telling the story that would be more useful to you right now? Yeah, because right when you're starting a small business, you're, you're already taking up so much of your time just doing the business things. And then on top of it, all the anxiety and the stories in your head, like that takes up even more time and that's completely unnecessary. And I'd say I've made a lot of progress in that area. Cause you know, there's been some friction, like whenever you have a business, you're going to run into things that happen. Maybe you have deals and partnerships and things that don't work out and you try to still stay on good terms. And then you, sometimes you overanalyze things that happened and, um, or maybe you had negative customer experience customer experiences. And, um, it's been, since I own my business by myself, I don't have a partner or anyone else that runs it with me. It's great to have you as a sounding board and a confidant and just an advisor. And just, I mean, you wear a ton of hats in this role (laughs) and I appreciate it. Well, I think everybody needs that. I think everybody needs somebody to be empathetic and, and help, but also have a little bit more perspective. You know, what I just appreciate about you is that you're so open to it because like you said, I can be a little bit honest, (laughs) you know, it takes a special kind of person to, to hear that, to be willing to hear that and not just want somebody who's telling you all the time, oh yeah, everything's awesome. Everything's awesome. Yeah. I really look forward to the sessions and I think, I don't know if everyone else does this, but I'm another great thing that I didn't think about at first was kind of going over all the accomplishments, like between sessions, which I tend not to do. Like when I accomplish something, I check off the list, like move on to the next thing and forget about it. But I think it's important to kind of um, remember and celebrate your wins and how much you really do. Cause when I sit down and kind of make a list of what, what I've done in between our sessions, I'm like, Oh, I guess I really did do a lot. And that, is a good kind of confidence booster and it's like, okay, well, I did all these things. Like I can, you know, do these things for next time and, and kind of having goals and, and setting goals, both short term, like in a couple, like two weeks or a month or three months and then yearly goals. So that's been super helpful to, to keep me on task and keep me focused and keep me achieving goals. Yeah. And you really have come a long way, both in your confidence, your self-confidence and also in your ability to, let go of the stories that are causing you anxiety because those can waste a lot of time and energy. 
it's not just things that move our business forward that take up our time and energy. So sometimes when we think we're super busy, we're making ourselves busy with our stories, with the stories that we're telling ourselves in our head. So I'm super excited to watch you continue to grow in this way because, you know, some of the things that you've accomplished over the, over the last year have absolutely blown my mind. Like the way (laughs) that you went in there and developed a partnership with the local airport and taught (laughs) yoga at their customer appreciation day and made a video of it. I mean, that was incredible. I'm excited to see as you continue to do this work, the thought work of consciously crafting stories about Mm -hmm. your circumstances that are going to move you forward. I have no idea where you're going to land, but I'm like, I I would not be, I would not be surprised if you end up as president or something, you know, like, I'd be like, yep, that makes sense. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's like I said, the, the biggest gain has been the confidence, you know, I was really in the past before that I had a lot of things that destroyed my confidence. I had like a really not great relationship and I had quit my job and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I was still kind of figuring that out when I came to you, I was like, okay, I know I love um, yoga and hiking and meditation and how do I combine these things. And, you know, that was a great place to start was, you know, what do I feel passionate about and love doing? But then there's still some days, as I'm sure everybody experiences in business, where you're like, why am I doing this? Like, does it even matter? And so it helped me to kind of sit down and write a why that was bigger than myself, which has kind of come out of our conversation sometimes. Like, people are unhappy and unhealthy, and the planet's being destroyed. So with this business, I can kind of help combat all three of those problems. Yeah, it's, it's also nice to have someone to celebrate those wins with and somebody who knows the background of the business that I can and I can talk with and has um, somebody that's not my parents who are going to be those people that are just like, everything you're doing is awesome. <laughs> right. I mean, and to some degree, your parents don't really know how hard you're working. Like yeah. they don't really know the behind the scenes of what you're putting in there. But because we meet regularly and you update me on every, all the different aspects of your business, I fully understand what a powerhouse you are. And I get to celebrate you with a lot of understanding of how impressive what you're doing is. Sometimes I'll sit there for like three hours trying to write an email and and maybe like a hard email and I'll be like, hey, can you read this and, and see how this sounds? Or or maybe I'll get an email and be like, oh, I'll look forward to it. like, oh, how does it sound? Just like really quick things here and there. Like I need a second opinion or I need something. You've just been really great about being um, responsive and, and getting back to me and be like, oh, you know, maybe maybe you shouldn't do this or maybe here's like this other person's perspective. And, and I really have learned to try to be less reactive and you know obviously my own yoga and meditation practice helps with this as well but um i've learned a lot of like social skills and communication skills as well and um that's that's been super helpful for the business well i'm absolutely honored that you would say that i taught you social skills because i have definitely had to focus on learning them that's not my natural skill set but it makes me feel like I've come a long way. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. You things in that. I think you appreciate them more too when you've had to really learn them. And I think that's the key to being successful with coaching is being open to learning and open to growing. And I think that's success in anything, whether it's your business or your own yoga practice or anything, just being open-minded and 
um, you know, taking in those opinions. You know, I don't necessarily have to do every single thing that you recommend or agree with every single thing, but it's always nice. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, I didn't even consider that perspective. And then it's really been great and, and helped my business. And I never would have thought of it otherwise if I wasn't working with someone. So I want to go back to the numbers conversation and dive into that a little bit more deeply because what might not have been evident from what we said earlier is that when you and I first started working together, numbers were a big mindset block for you. You did say, you did mention, like, I didn't want to look at the numbers, but there's a few things. I remember when I first started asking you questions, like, for example, at the end of the year last year, I was like, okay, let's look at what worked this year, what happened this year, and let's make some predictions and some projections for next year. And so you came over and not everybody gets to see me in person, but Miranda happens to be local. So we we often do our sessions in person. And I was like, okay, tell me this. And you were like, uh, and you were like trying to look things up on the spot. And, and I was like, don't you know where that is? You were like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I mean, it really held us back in our ability to, to do that process of planning for the next year, because you didn't have, everything was in different places and you didn't know where the information was that I was asking you for. So we ended up creating a report that you fill out every single month, a CEO report, Mm -hmm. where you keep track of your key performance indicators of all the different things that you are trying to track to help you understand what's working in your business, what's not working, where to put more effort, where there might be some gaps. Mm -hmm. And when we first started even talking about the math of it, you said, oh, I'm not good at math. Do you remember that? Yeah, well, I I can get by. I can like add and subtract and multiply and divide. Um, But I think beyond that, I've never been a fan of it. Uh, I've been more creative focused. And it's funny because in in school, I majored in marketing and I did have to do accounting and finance and economics and things like that. But never, I just, it's never been my thing. And I, I, I think that was kind of part of my identity was like, that I didn't want to give up was like, oh, I don't do numbers. I don't like numbers. Like numbers don't matter. And so I changed that over time. And that's been one of the most, I think, valuable things I've learned with you over the past year was the importance of numbers because any business you have is going to be emotional. And especially when you're so close to it. And like, I don't have kids. Like my businesses are my babies because um, I have not a teenager. And then I also have my consulting. But yes, they are kind of like my babies and I can get emotional and certain things that logically I'm like, Oh, this has to work. This is, this is, has to be working. Like for example, Facebook ads is the first thing that came to mind with me. I was putting a bunch of money into Facebook ads. It's like, Oh, you can target them by zip code and by age and all this stuff. But then when I actually had to sit down and look at the numbers and how much I spent on boosting Facebook posts versus how many people signed up for yoga hikes, I was like, Oh, this is actually a huge waste of money. Like I should not do these anymore. So that was great. That saved me money. And then, um, just with keeping track of my numbers and doing the CEO report, I have an idea. Like this year, it's I just love looking at it. I look forward to numbers now. Um, I, I go into my spreadsheet and I, I use a uh, accounting software called FreshBooks, which I highly recommend. I love it. And so I put all my expenses and revenue in there and I can kind of see where everything is going, how much I'm spending on things. And so this year I have 
you know, a whole year of income. And it's so much easier to plan for next year and say, okay, well, here's how much I grew this year. How much should I expect to grow next year? Um, which months are more popular? Which months are slower? Like, when can I spend more money? When do I have to save more money? How much am I paying my guides? You know, just all those things. And the numbers really um, give you a more accurate picture of your business than just your feelings and emotions. Because I feel like as yoga and meditation instructors, we tend to be more intuitive and emotional and especially as women as well and just I mean having the numbers is really grounding and kind of keeps you in reality and seeing the actual picture. Well I think that the intuition and the emotions are absolutely important. Oh yeah. But they can lead us astray also because they tend to be anxiety based especially for a lot of us who are a little bit more sensitive and when we have emotions like anxiety, we tend to either take action too quickly without thinking it through, or we st don't take action and we actually hold ourselves back. Mm -hmm. So I think that for you- Which I've done both of, by the way, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Absolutely. But having the objectivity of the numbers, it really can- help you understand what type of emotion or what type of intuition you're having, right? Is this intuition guiding me or is this fear holding me back or pushing me, anxiety pushing mm -hmm. me or pulling me? And so the numbers can help you interpret the feelings. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you are going to make every single decision based on the numbers, but it means that you're not making because the feelings are, they're tricky because they're your brain. There's a very, it's a very deep and ancient part of your brain that moves more quickly than your logical part of your brain. So emotions happen faster and we tend to start responding to our actions before we've had a chance to even realize that we've had a feeling <laughs> like mm -hmm. we either we get paralyzed so that's almost a little bit better because then we have a chance to discern like well why am I not taking action right we can let the logic come on board or we can start taking action this reaction right like you get an email that is upsetting and you want to immediately respond and justify and all of that and that happens like before you've even had a chance to process or get through the feeling that initiated it all in the first place so that's why i like to have checks and balances and build in checks and balances so the numbers are one form of checks and balances on your intuition and on your emotions and then having a coach that's another check or balance I don't know, both. <laughs> and then there's other, other ways that you can build it in too, like with your employees, for example. When you have people that are working for you, maybe as a contractor, maybe as an employee, you can actually use them also to, as a sounding board in a different way, you know, in an appropriate way. You don't want to burden your employees with your emotional reactions, but you can definitely say, hey, tell me what you think of this idea or what's your perspective 
and get just another outside perspective. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. I get so much great information from my team and ideas and, and things like that. And I feel like I just remembered we talked about when I first came to you, I wanted to do a podcast. Um, and so the reason we didn't do that is more good advice you gave me was we kind of looked at the demographic and looked at my website and, and we ended up doing a blog. So I've been writing a blog post pretty much every week. And that's actually helped boost my business as well. So finding the right mediums um, to use to reach your target audience is another really valuable like asset and advice. And, you know, I've had some blog posts that I know for sure people find and it's like directed a lot of traffic to my site. I've looked at some of the rankings and I can look at my analytics and see like, oh, this one's performing really well. And um, listening to the podcast is kind of giving me confidence to do that as well. So having the coaching sessions sessions and listening, you've done a few, you know, episodes on videos and on marketing and, and on do and branding and doing different things. And um, so all those resources combined is just so so amazing and helpful. I like, I feel like I'm not alone and so many other people are, are struggling with the same things. Did I ever tell you that the episode that you and I did on branding for yoga teachers is one of my top 10 downloaded episodes? Ooh, nice. <laughs> so clearly there's people who are interested in that topic. So we might want to pick a subtopic and go even deeper on it on another, on another episode. Yeah. I want the record. I'm an overachiever. I want to do the most episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think since this is number three, I think you're already at the record. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> is this the third? You were, you were yeah, on, yeah. yeah, you were on two others. So. <laughs> well, I think that covers a lot of what I wanted to talk about of mm -hmm. sharing what it's like to work with a coach, sharing what it's like to work with me as a coach. I know. Well, I want to stop right there. A good coach. So I actually, you were the third coach that I've worked with. And so it was kind of like Goldilocks. It was, um, you know, the first coach was great. She was one of my students. Um, she came from academia. So it was kind of my, my starting point, but it just wasn't, you know, exactly the right fit. And then I had another coach. They had their own business. They did some business coaching as well. And it also wasn't exactly the right fit. And then when I found you, it was like, oh, just right. Like that perfect Goldilocks moment. I was like, oh, she knows yoga and, and business. And, you know, we, we just, I feel like we had kind of a good connection to start. And um, I was like, on the podcast, it's great. She lives in Asheville. Like it was just totally the right fit. So I think that's important too, is there's a lot of coaches out there and they have a lot of different strengths and a lot of different expertises and niches. And um, I think one of your keys to success is really, really knowing your niche, you know, like yoga teachers. And yeah, so I think it's really important to find someone who really connects with you. It's so great having clients who do the work. When we get together and together we figure out, okay, what are the next steps? At that point, the ball is back in your court mm -hmm. and you, I mean, it's so rare that we would get together for our, a subsequent session and for you to be like, oh no, like that there would even be one thing on your list that wasn't done. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it would be shifted priorities. Um, but I think that's another important part of having a coach too and paying for the services. You really like take it seriously versus you know, maybe a free program online or just watching YouTube videos or something like interacting with an actual person to keep you accountable and, you know, paying for their services, really valuing the services. And I mean, I have no doubt that what I've spent on coaching has definitely 
um, I've made back, you know, my return on investment has definitely been worth the investment in um, paying for coaching sessions. I'm very glad to hear that. <laughs> Otherwise, we probably would be having a very different podcast episode. Yeah, probably not at all. <laughs> well, the other thing that I really enjoy about working with you and really my work with all of my clients is the ability to get to work with both the analytical side and the emotional side. Because sometimes we think that they're separate, but they're so interwoven. And that is one of the things that I will never, it will never get boring to me is having somebody come to me with what they think is an analytical problem and realizing at some point through the conversation, this is not an analytical problem. This mm -hmm. is an emotional issue that needs to be explored and reframed before we can figure out the logical next steps to take. Yeah. And it's a duality, just like in yoga, right? Like Shiva and Shakti. I feel like Shiva is like the numbers and like the logic and then Shakti is like the creativity and, and the energy and the emotional and you need both and, and they need to be balanced and kind of be in harmony. And when, when one gets out of balance, that's when you start like making less than ideal decisions for your business. <laughs> exactly. And I do think that I'm going to say that most of the yoga teachers I have come into contact with are way too far on the Shakti side. There is a beauty in that side and I honor it and I respect it, but I don't think that it's realistic to, you're not gonna have the tools to make as big an impact in the world mm -hmm. if you don't find a relationship between the two, between the Shiva and the Shakti, between the analytical, logical, and the emotional intuitive. Mm -hmm. So thanks for going on this journey with me. Yeah, thank you too. I mean, I'm like, oh, Madeo's kind of like my big sister. <laughs> like I never had a big sister. So now I do, I feel like. <laughs> I feel the same way. I have such a deep love for everybody who's trusted me enough to become a client. I'm awed by that level of trust and respect. It, I do not take it lightly at all. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, you're my third coach. So like if I wasn't happy, I would find another one. <laughs> totally. Is there anything else that you can think of that feels like it's important to share? Just working with someone who is more experienced because I mean, you've been teaching yoga longer than I have. You um, know more about the industry. And I think mentorship as in yoga is also important in business and having someone who's kind of been there and can help guide you along the path because they've kind of already walked it. And of course they're probably, they're learning too. It just goes all the way up, right? With, with like yoga lineages, you always have a teacher and a um, student, teacher, student, teacher, student. And um, I think that relationship is, is really important to keep learning and growing and improving and challenging yourself. And that's a lot easier to do when you have a real life person encouraging you and pushing you to do that versus just trying to feel like you have to do everything on your own. Thanks for saying that because that's an experience I've had as well, specifically in working with coaches outside the yoga industry, which I have and I do. You need to have a really clear sense of priority and values to be able to know when to say no to them. Because mm -hmm. outside the yoga industry, there are different values. And 
So there will be times when a coach outside the yoga industry pushes you to do things that are not just outside of your comfort zone, but are actually outside of your zone of integrity. Mm -hmm. And it's not that it's outside of their zone of integrity. That's the thing. They can have perfect integrity, but because we have this framework of yoga values of the yamas and the niyamas that we're working from as a framework, we might have a different perspective. And I know that I have been pushed by coaches that were not in the yoga space in a way that ended up like I ended up taking action that I actually, there was nothing wrong with it. There was nothing objectively unethical about it, but it wasn't actually a place of growth growth for me other than everything is, you know, a potential place of growth, but having somebody to work with that deeply understands yoga is a different, I think, experience. Would you agree? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I said, that was two of the reasons the other coaches didn't have the yoga experience that you do that I really wanted to make a part of my business. And on the flip side though, as well, something that has come up over the past year is just because, you know, you're in a yoga business doesn't mean everybody is adhering to those values and, um, you know, yamas and niyamas and ahimsa and all those kind of things, whether it's intentional or just, you know, through non-mindfulness or incompetence or something, you know, cause I've worked with other businesses. I was like, but, but they're also in the same space. Like, why don't they have the same, um, you know, values and, and systems and things and, and standards and it kind of, it goes both ways, but it definitely helps to have that yogic perspective when you have a yoga business. And I believe that yoga principles and business principles, principles are both inherently neutral mm -hmm. that we bring meaning to them. And so in, within that way, they can be quite compatible as long as we are continually checking in with our values and making sure that all the actions we take are in integrity and in line with our personal values. So I think I'm glad you said that because I think you're absolutely right that just because somebody is in the yoga space, it doesn't mean that they are going to have the same values as you. And that's okay, but I think it really speaks to make sure that you really understand somebody's perspective before hiring them as a coach and make sure that you align with them in, in manners of ethics and behavior. And I think that's easy to do with you because you've literally recorded a bunch of episodes on all of those things. So if people want to know, they can just listen to your podcast. And I think kind of the last thing that reminded me, um, you said, you know, that the principles and ethics not inherently being good or bad, like money has also been kind of a thing that comes up a lot with yoga and business. And uh, a lot of times in society, if you want to earn money and you want to be successful, like, oh, you're like greedy or, or that's not compatible with yoga. And you know, there are certain models and places that think you shouldn't be paid for teaching yoga and, and things like that. And that's, I've progressed a lot with my relationship with money. It's an energy, it's an exchange, you know, I'm putting in all this time and effort into a business and there needs to be an exchange for that. And there's nothing wrong with like setting goals and wanting to have a successful business. Like if, if I can't make my business profitable, then I can't have a business at all. Cause I, if I'm losing money, like I can't eat, I can't pay my bills. You know, I need to be mindful and authentic, but also, you know, successful and profitable. Yeah. And money is an objective marker 
of people's valuing of what you're offering. Mm -hmm. So it's not the only way to figure out whether or not people are wanting to pick up what you're putting down. But if nobody's willing to pay you, if you're, if you've got something that you want to share and nobody's willing to pay you for it, that's information. So in a way, money is just information. Yeah. And it's some pretty awesome information that allows you to pay your rent and have a full tummy. So it's not just information, but that's a different way of looking at money than how we think of is like money. So, you know, selfish and greedy. Well, it certainly can be that way. You can, you know, you can step over people and, and be willing to harm others in your quest for money. That's not very appealing to me, but money on its own is a really valuable marker of how much people are connecting to, to your message. You know, there's always going to be people that say you're too expensive or that they can't afford it or, you know, not everybody's not your target. So I think just keeping that in mind and again, going back to the numbers, what are you spending and setting your pricing based on that? And yeah, getting that, that Shiva and that Shakti, like, what do I feel like works for people and that they can afford? And then, you know, the logical numbers of what bills do I have to cover? What are my fixed and variable expenses? And what do I need to charge to, to cover those and be successful? Well, Miranda, thank you so much for being willing to be vulnerable and to share your experience of what it was like to work with me and also how your business has grown and how your perspective has grown over the last year. Like I said earlier, I'm, I have no idea where you're going to end up. Oh, you know what, you know what I want to do a podcast episode with you about is, Mm -hmm. uh, is PR because you have taken on the task of learning about public relations in the last year. And the way that you have leveraged that information has been really impressive. So I think that that's something that people would be really interested in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've been trying to do all the PR, so (laughs) I've learned a lot and even having a coach, like I still make mistakes for sure, but I think I, I, learn from them more and I definitely make less than I would have if I didn't have somebody kind of um, coaching me along the way. It's like the Olympics, right? Like you don't just have all these athletes training by themselves. They have coaches that, you know, help them get to, to the peak physical competition sports in the world. So I think, you know, coaching is just so important and I am super grateful for all of your coaching that I've experienced and attribute definitely a lot of my success to you. If you listen to that entire episode, you may be wondering if hiring a coach is right for you. And you might even be curious if I'm the right coach for you. One bonus that I offer for podcast listeners is a free 30-minute clarity call. In this no-pressure conversation, we will talk about where you are with your teaching and business, and I'll offer my recommendations for how to get more support going forward. You can book a call at teachingyoga.net slash clarity. I currently have two openings for ongoing coaching clients, and I'm committed to holding those open for the right people. So if we have a call and I think you'd be better served with a different program or a different coach, I will absolutely be honest about that. As far as what I'm looking for to fill those last two spaces, you are a yoga teacher who's an action taker. You're committed to making a massive impact with your teaching, but you don't always know where to put your time and energy. You have a huge heart and love to help 
but you also struggle with anxiety and this causes you to second guess yourself. You're confident in the value of your teaching and your offerings, but you know that you need guidance and an outside perspective to fulfill your potential and run a business that loves you back. If that sounds like you, I would love for you to book your complimentary call and see how we click. However, even if that doesn't sound like an exact fit for you, I'm still open to having the conversation and offering you my perspective on your next best steps to grow as a teacher and as a business owner. Again, you can book your no-cost call at teachingyoga.net slash clarity. That's all for this week, friends. Please tune in next week for a much-requested topic, How to Fill Your Classes, with guest Amanda McKinney. In the meantime, as January fills your classes with new students, or maybe you're listening to this later and it's a different season, either way, remember to make time for your personal practice. 